with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. It is a Tuesday morning. Alan Wishart in the host chair, Steve on the board. Right off the bat, quick reminder, school zones are in effect today. The kids aren't at school very much today, but the school zones are in effect today, starting today and now, of course, obviously for the rest of the school year. So take your foot off the gas a little bit when you're going through the school zones. Um, A lot of groups getting started again for the fall season as well, not just the schools. And one of those groups is the Prince George Symphony Orchestra. Executive Director Ken Hall joins me now. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. So you guys have got so much on the go, just so you know right off the bat, I think all we're going to talk about today is just the stuff that's happening from now through December. We'll leave the rest of it for later because there's too all much right. to talk about in one segment. <laughs> and it starts this Saturday already. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. And now this is your usual opening event, isn't it? Pops in the Park. Yeah, it's been happening for several decades. Yes. Yeah. And now, so it's down at Clay Lidenay Memorial Park on Saturday. What time does it start? So the event starts at 11 p.m. Or sorry, 11 a.m. Okay, 11 p.m. Um, but, okay. yeah. but the orchestra actually plays at 1. Ah. Uh, we we got some support from the region of Fraser Fort George, actually, mm-hmm. to expand the event a little bit this year. Ah. So it's going to be a, a big free event in the park. Uh, we'll have some vendors that have been organized by Studio 2880, mm-hmm. so local artists and artisans. Yeah. And uh, there will be some other groups joining us on stage. Uh, the Observatory of Music faculty will be playing. Enchaînement um, Dance will be joining us as well. Wow. And uh, it's, it's going to be a big celebration. Uh, there'll be lots of activities for kids as well. We have yeah. uh, some groups doing that. Good. And so now, I'm thinking the weather forecast for the weekend is nice. Yeah. So there's not too much worry about rain at this point. Now, no. the one thing I am wondering, though, is, because you always have backup plans, mm. is the backup plan possibly in place if the smoke is really bad? That's right. Yeah, it, it, rain or smoke yeah. um, will actually keep the same time, but will move indoors to the civic center. Okay, so not that far away. No, no. And you've done that before, I think, haven't you? Well, I think pre- some other years it moved to an even smaller venue, but I think the last couple of years it's been the civic center. Is that right? Well, the last couple of years we've had good weather, yes. so it's just been in the park. But yeah, uh, yeah the previous rain delay or rain yeah. um, <laughs> backup plan was uh, the St. Michael's Church, right? Uh, which is a, is a lovely little venue, but it's pretty small and yeah. uh, can't accommodate nearly as many people as we usually see at Pops. So we wanted to have a place where we could move all the vendors inside as well and we could invite everyone to just come and still have a great time. And, of course, the emphasis on this on Saturday's event as well is it's Pops in the Park. Don't go there expecting to hear some great big Beethoven or Tchaikovsky, right? <laughs> well, that's right. Although this year, um, Michael, our, our hmm. uh, music director, yes. has designed a program that's uh, pops across the ages. So it's pop music from certainly from the 20th century, but also from you know, the 19th century. Wow. So it's kind of a, a fun departure, I think. So whatever was on the top of the charts back in 1847. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And now, and then you guys just keep right on going. Now, this event, 
I saw the name of it, and I was kind of going half and half. <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting name for an event, and this is the first of your chamber series for the year. It's the first of our chamber series. It'll also be our first candlelight concert. So we're yeah, we're doing two of those this year. Okay, uh, one will be in the spring, and yeah, so it's at the Knox Performance Center, yeah. which is you know, newly oh, renovated. Yes, um, it'll be candlelit, and half and half refers to just the instrumentation. Uh, there's woodwind quintet pieces, and there are string quartet. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So, so each of them just shows up for half the show. Basically, yeah. Okay, but the audience sticks around for the whole thing. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Now, this is the first time you guys have done something like this, isn't it? It's the first thing we've done. I think it's the first time you've done something specifically like this. Like, I know you've had shows before where it was just the string quartet, or it may just have been one other part of the orchestra. But this is the first time I think you've done a half and half. Well, as far as I know, yeah, it's... Yeah. Um, I mean, often what we do is we'll mix them, so mm -hmm. there'll be some strings playing with the wind. Right. Um, but this one just kind of worked out this way, and we thought it was kind of fun, so we went with it. Yeah. Okay. And then two weeks, that's October the 14th, and about two weeks after that, getting near the end of October. Gee, what does that usually mean? Yeah. Hmm, <laughs> hang on a second. Oh, Halloween. That's right. Yes. Spooky time for a show. and It's it's the main stage, so it's the big orchestra again. That's right. It's a full orchestra in Vanier Hall. It's um, it's a concert for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, we're doing it on Sunday afternoon to make sure oh. that you know, kids can come and all that as well. Um, but it's not really a children's concert. Um, it's the full orchestra. There'll be some sort of classic spooky music, like mm -hmm. uh, I think the Dance Macabre is on there and Night on Bald Mountain. Which, like which, that, which, full orchestra, which, kids, which, is, which kids might recognize, though. Oh, they, they might, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, exactly, yeah. Um, and then we have a wonderful piece uh, called The Composer is Dead, which is a murder mystery by Lemony Snicket. And uh, okay, well, the, so, someone in the orchestra has killed the composer, so they have to figure out who it was. Boy, that leaves a lot of suspects, doesn't it, <laughs> in most orchestras? <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean that if he's been murdered, is he now decomposing? Well, exactly, yeah. Oh, that, was bad. that was bad. That was bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think Steve's about to turn my mic off, <laughs> and I wouldn't blame him in the least. No, so that's the full orchestra. And so now you were saying it, but that is just a part of it. The composer is dead is just part of the rest of the concert. Yes, the, the closer is dead is about a 20-minute piece. Wow. And it. It has a bunch of excerpts of well-known classical pieces as well. Ah, okay. And so that's a Sunday afternoon show at Vanier, which is kind of neat as well. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then and then you go back, another main stage. You guys are doing a lot of main stage stuff this fall. <laughs> well, well <laughs> actually only two. They just have to be close together, partly because of the Halloween yes. concert. Yeah. Yeah, because the other one then is something called Tabla on November the 19th. That's right. And you know what a Tabla is? I do a lot of crossword puzzles. I want to say it's an East Indian musical instrument. Yes, it's um, typically northern India. Okay. Uh, that sort of region is where it's most popular. But uh, it's an Indian classical instrument. It's a little set of two drums, and, okay. and the player can actually change the pitch. 
Oh. And it, it's an absolutely virtuosic instrument, fascinating instrument. And we're lucky enough to have uh, one of Canada's top tabla players coming in to play a piece that was, um, well, that he's played several times before mm-hmm. um, by a Sri Lankan Canadian composer. Um, and that's just, you know, it, it's just completely different than yeah. anything you probably have heard from the orchestra before. Yeah, so now you've got that piece then as part of tabla. The other pieces that I'm assuming the full orchestra will be playing, do they do they still have like an Indian theme to them? Absolutely not. Oh. We, decided, <laughs> yeah, we decided to go that way. No, so okay. what we're doing is we're playing uh, the abduction from the Seraglio uh, oh. by Mozart and um, and Beethoven's Symphony Number no. One. Wow. So so quite a uh, quite a change in tone from the well, tabla one. Well, we wanted to to really show the orchestra and mm-hmm. then show the orchestra infusion with this, uh, this Indian classical style of music. Um, but we didn't want to play a bunch of music for orchestra that was kind mm. of Indian-themed. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, that's where we ended up. And I think it's a, it will be a lovely program. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks after that... December the 3rd, again, I think this is the first family concert of the year then, too, right? That's right, yeah. The Snowfall Serenade. Yeah. Now, do you know something about the weather, weather we don't, Ken? Uh, well, I mean, not unlikely that it'll be snowing by December. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, hey. And so yeah. now that's, again, that's the family concert, and that's at Vanier Hall as well. Oh, you know what? That is nope. an, an error. I just oh. see that on our website. That's not a venue hall. That oh. is at uh, the Playhouse. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's what I was All thinking. family concerts this year will be at the Playhouse. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think the family concerts were normally at uh, Vanier. No, that's uh, certainly not. It's a bit large for that. Uh, yeah. That setup. yeah. So now, the Snowfall Serenade, I went onto your website, mm-hmm. and all it had was basically just the date and it's a mystery as to what's being played. Yes. Well, this show is actually being written by Michael Hall. Oh. So it's, uh, it'll be a new story. Um, it will be, you know, it, as usual, the excerpts of, uh, of famous pieces Yes. Um, for the orchestra. Um, there will be a lot of Christmas music, I think. Mm, makes sense. And, yeah. So yeah, that's that's the story there. Michael Hall is uh, is putting together a show for us. And now, the family concerts are those the ones as well where, in this case, say Michael will take time during the performance to explain to the audience and especially the kids in the audience what is happening. Uh, well, certainly he will. Yeah. Um, yeah, we like to do that at the family concerts. Uh, it's a great introduction oh. for kids to, to classical music, but it's also you know, we like to do these concerts that have a little story to them. Mm-hmm. We have a host and, um, you know, some visual component, and they're really kind of fun, interactive, um, immersive experiences. Yeah, and so now, again, that is usually, the family concerts are usually with a smaller part of the orchestra as well, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. They're, they're usually between 10 and 20 players, usually. Yeah. Um, Orchestra. That they usually represent all the different families in the orchestra. Usually, yes. Yeah. 
Like, it, it, it's not like the half and half where you're just going to have strings in one part and somebody else in another part. In the family concert, you've got all four of the families. That's right, yeah. Okay. Uh, although, in the like the second family concert of the year, it's actually just brass. Oh, okay. That's an exception rather than the, the rule. Yes. Okay, so a lot of stuff coming up. Now, people obviously don't need tickets for the first show because that's Pops in the Park this Saturday. Right. At Clayton Lane Memorial Park, we hope. Yeah, and if not, at the Civic Center. Yeah. But apart from that, people probably need tickets. That's right. Now, eh. now that leads me right into another question for you, Ken. Mm-hmm. How do people get tickets for the PGSO? Oh, I didn't see that coming. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, our box office is is open um, 9 to 4.30, Monday to Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at 2880 Avenue. Right. You can also get them online at pgso.com or went into the office at 562-800. Okay. And, again, people can get tickets for the whole season or just individual shows, correct? Yeah. We have three series that we've talked mm. about here, the, yep. the Chamber Socials, the Family Concerts, and the Main Stage. Okay. And so people can get tickets for each of those individually as well then, right? Like if they just want to go to the Main Stage, they can just go to the Main Stage. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. And there's one more event that we didn't actually talk about because it's not on the website, but it is coming, and that oh. is the Nutcracker. Ooh. Oh, that sounds like it might be around Christmas time. Yeah. I'll guess. Uh, Mid-December. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And so now that one's usually in collaboration with whom? With Judy Russell Presents. That's what I thought, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, same thing. We're uh, we're having that lovely collaboration yes. with Judy and her amazing dancers, and uh, looking forward to that. And now I'd said I just wanted to talk about the stuff t- coming up until the end of this year. Mm. But I do want to just throw out a quick note about something that's coming up in 2024 because people are probably going to want to get their tickets for this one early. Mm -hmm. You've got a concert coming up with Alex Cuba. That's right. Yes. Now, is this... Because I think last season you had a concert where you had the three local singer-songwriters, correct? That's that's correct, yes. Now, is this along the same lines then? It's similar. Similar idea, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's... uh, I mean, Alex Cuba has... Oh. actually performed with orchestras before, yes. so it's not quite the same uh, premiere of new material. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he's uh, local to Northern BC, and he's won oh. all kinds of awards. Yes. And so um, it's just fantastic to have him coming to town and playing on Vanny Hall stage with the orchestra. And if you get... I, I will warn you right now, I don't know if you'd figure on doing this or not, if you give him a mic and invite him to you know, chat with the audience... Be prepared for the show to go probably about twice as long because he's got some. I've interviewed him and he's got he's got great stories and he's a very he's a very good guy to talk with. That's so, wonderful. I, I yeah. think it'll be a really fun. Event. Yes, Ken Hall, executive director, of Prince George Symphony Orchestra. Thanks for taking the time to bring us up to date on what's happening in the next few months. Again, pops in the park on Saturday, so the event starts eleven. And the orchestra will be on stage at 1 o'clock. Okay. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you sometime later, if nothing else, just to get caught up on what's happening in 2024. That sounds great. Okay. Thanks, Ken. Okay. Thank you. Okay.
Take a quick break. Be back with more after nine. Featuring the latest songs from artists in Canada and from around the world. Hosted by DJs from coast to coast to coast. 30 minutes of Canada's newest music downloaded exclusively from the Earshot's digital distribution system. For more information about the show, check out earshot-distro.ca. Listen up, Canada. This is your show on your station. Canada's Earshot Daily. Weekday nights at 11.30 here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Be on hand for another unforgettable, uplifting experience as the World Religions Conference invites you to celebrate their 18th anniversary. The topic of this year's free event is the question of timeless suffering. Admission is free with an East Indian dinner included in the Trinity United Church Conference Room at 5th and Union. For registration or more information, visit worldreligionsconference.ca or call 1-877-767-1965. The 18th Annual World Religions Conference, 630. 30 to 8.30, Monday, September 18th. Learn to love your smile again at Der Denture Center. Der Denture Center offers a full range of denture services from partial dentures to complete dentures. Same-day repairs are also available. Der Denture Center is located on the third floor of the Victoria Medical Building with easy elevator access. Come in for a free complimentary consultation. No referral required. For help with your existing set or if you need new, Der Denture Center in the Victoria Medical Building. Call 250-562-6638. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today with widespread smoke and a 30% chance of showers, a high of 14. Cloudy this evening with a 30% chance of showers with widespread smoke and a low of 4. For Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud with widespread smoke, a 30% chance of showers and the risk of a thunderstorm late in the afternoon, a high of 17. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, and we are back, and we've got another event which is actually coming up, yes, right outside our door here in just over a week. And I am talking now with Anna Booth, who is with the provincial group with the CNIB. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Good. And now you guys have got... This is something I had not heard of before. You guys have got a mobile hub, which is coming up to Prince George next week. Absolutely. We'll be there in September 14. And, yeah, yeah, and we'll bring a lot of our programs into the community. So now, what's the idea of the hub? Like, is it, it's a traveling thing, obviously, because it's mobile. (laughs) So do you just set up in a space and there's a bunch of different booths set up? Yes, yeah, so we started the mobile hubs uh, early, earlier on because, as as you mentioned, we do service BC and the Yukon, and mm-hmm. we only have offices in certain cities, and so we really wanted to take all the services. That's why uh, have you been able to reach out to my manager and our booth? Within our communities. And so this is exactly those programs. And during COVID, this became more prevalent. So this time we're going to Prince George and we're, again, bringing our programs and services to the community in this in this city. Okay. So is this the first time, as far as you know, that the mobile hub has been up to Prince George? I think a long time ago it was. And then we had an office in Prince George for a while. Yeah. During COVID, things, you know, just got a lot more limited. And now we have another 
again, uh, a hub with uh, now two members of staff in Prince George. And in fact, this mobile hub to be exactly in that office space. But it is to bring a lot more of our services in terms of technology, support to technology, peer support, a lot of the, the you know, the systems and the services we have uh, to complement with the two members of staff that we have there in Prince George. And I think we've now been joined by one of the members of your staff. Gladys is with us. Good morning, Gladys. Good morning. Hello, Anna. Hello. Hello. Yeah. So now, when you got the word from Anna and other people with CNIB that they bring this mobile hub up and they wanted to stick it right in our space here, what was your first thought? How are we going to make this work? Yeah, and uh, also I was so happy, you know. I mean, there's a great uh, program where we are the CNIB will visit communities <laughs> to deliver in-person programming. There are our participants, their family, their friends, their loved yeah. ones. They all come and be part of the event. And we have the opportunities to get hands-on technology and other recreational and social activities. I mean, it's really a great opportunities, and uh, I think it's something that no one should actually mix up from it to give them yeah. the the trainings that they need, and it really um, uh, impacts positively into their lives and enhance their standard of living. So, Anna, what what is, I guess I can almost say, what is the purpose of the mobile hub? Like, who is it aimed, who is it designed for? Uh, thank you very much for your questions. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll say the mobile hub is for everyone. Okay. Like, it's for people that are blind or partially sighted, and it's, for, mm -hmm. uh, it's also for people that are fully sighted, because, I mean, they will gain more from it, mm -hmm. different knowledge and uh, um, skills that will really be useful for them. Okay. So, Anna, Anna, is there a set schedule then during it, or is it just basically a you drop in whenever you want? We do have programs, so... As Gladys was mentioning, Gladys, uh, we we are the whole purpose of this of this uh, traveling days is to make sure that our community has as much information as possible. Because these days, even if you're you have sight loss or you're blind, you can do almost everything any fully sighted person does. It just you have to have the information, right? You have to have the technology to support you, and so we do have uh, we have a store. That comes with us, and we'll sell a lot of different devices, and you can check and you can buy whatever it's you know the right fit to you. Mm -hmm. Then we have a, a technology introduction to technology where we're going to talk about apps and ways that the technology can help you to be more connected and more independent. And then after lunch, we have our peer support group, which basically brings our community together, and you have an opportunity to talk about you know, what it is to have vision loss in your life and what are the success stories and some of the challenges. And so we support each other in that way as well. So that's the plan mm -hmm. for the day on the 14th. Now, a big question people in Prince George always want to know about this kind of thing. You said after lunch, is the lunch provided <laughs> or do you get your own? It is provided. It's going to be a light refreshment. Yeah. It's going to probably be pizza, coffees, and, mm -hmm. and cookies, but it is going to be provided as well. Okay. That's something people in Prince George like to hear. <laughs> if, if there's going to be free food, they're going to show up. So now, did you, did you look anywhere else, Anna, when you guys decided to come up here, or did you get in touch with Gladys? And she said, no, I think we can make it work right here. Absolutely. So <clears throat> Gladys, having Gladys there, she's been an incredible support to our community there. And so we have a space that 
actually allows us to be inside. So it's an opportunity for any of our participants, our community, loved ones, to actually get to know where Gladys is, get to know where our new office is. And so we really decided let's do it in that space. We'll all feed and work with the space that we have, but we thought it would be really good to just let everybody know where CNIB is now, mm-hmm. right, and where Gladys is. <laughs> so, Gladys, have you have you seen the mobile hub before? Sure. Um, sure, thank you. Like, a um, few... Uh, weeks ago that was in july where uh, i conducted one myself and my colleague and a boat was there as well we did a mobile home at terrace okay so you all so you knew from that then how much space you needed what kind of a setup you needed so you knew it exactly. would fit in here yeah right absolutely so mm-hmm. now just to give people an idea gladys if they come in the from the main entrance which i will say is the third avenue entrance here because we're at quebec and third yep if they come in the Third Avenue entrance on the 14th, what will they see, basically? Like, is there going to be one major facility, if you will? Is there going to be a seating area somewhere else? Sure. So, uh, firstly, there's going to say a volunteer that will be seated right. very close to the door mm-hmm. to do the registration. Then they will go in and uh, have the seat because we're going to, like, set up this place. There will be chairs and table and stuff like that on the Smart Life Shop and other organizations. We also have their table. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some more with Gladys and Anna about the CNIB Mobile Hub after nine. If you have a great garden this year and want to get a start on next year's garden, the Nachaco branch of the Public Library is holding a seed-saving workshop on September 23rd from 1 to 3. You'll be getting seed-saving tips from the Prince George Master Gardeners and the David Douglas Botanical Garden Society. If you participated in the seed library, this is a chance to return your saved seeds to the library. The seed-saving workshop is a free drop-in event September 23rd from 1 to 3 at the Nachaco branch of the public library. Are you thinking of selling your business? It's Dave Fuller here, a business coach and a business broker living right here in Prince George. The challenge of being a business owner is that much of our retirement funds are often tied up in the business. If you are getting ready to retire and sell your business, give me a call, 250-617-7467, and we can talk confidentially about how much your business might be worth and how you might be able to get that money out of the business and into your pocket. Again, Dave Fuller, 250-617-7467, or check out our website, pivotleader.com, At Pivot Leader, we help you grow, train, and sell your business. Eat healthy and fresh at Homesteader Meats. Founded by Ben and Rosella Clausen in 1982, Homesteader Meats has two premium quality meat and gluten-free products, plus Wednesday is Seniors Day at Homesteader Meats. Seniors 55 and over save 10% off regular prices. Single portions are available in most items, including pierogies and sausages, and our half-pound packages off ground beef, ground pork, stew meat, and meat pies. Everything from Erladen to Patties is at Homesteader Meats in two locations, College Heights and Park Hill Center. Lace up your runners and join the Parkinson's Superwalk. For over 30 years, this event has helped to raise funds and inspire hope for over 15,000 people across the province living with Parkinson's disease. Together, we can ensure every person touched by Parkinson's has the support they need to live well. Show your support by joining the Parkinson Superwalk, 1130 Saturday morning in Clayton-Tanay Memorial Park. To register or donate, visit parkinson.ca superwalk. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. So Gladys, with the mobile hub for the CAB coming here September the 14th, what time is it going to be here? 
So the mobile hub starts at 10 a.m. in the morning and ends 3 p.m. at snow. Okay. Now, it ends at 3 o'clock. If people are here and they want to chat with you a little bit more, you're not going to say no and kick them out, right? They're absolutely welcome. Oh. There's no way I would say no. We are the CNIB. We are here for our participants. Yeah. We are here for their friends, their loved ones. So we are there. Okay. So, Anna, is this is the idea with the mobile hub because Gladys was saying there's going to be somebody, a volunteer who's going to be doing registration. Do people have to register ahead of time or can you just drop in? We have the two options. So we've been, uh, the information is at our website. We've been sending emails to participants. So if they wish, they can register. But if it's something that they, you know, they just heard today and mm. they really just want to come and, and, you know, participate, they do not have to register. They can just show up and, and be part of, of the group, be part of the fun. And they can show up just any time during the 10 till 3. They any don't have, time. They don't have to be there yeah. for the whole thing. No, no, if okay. they just wish to come and check out the sh- the, the, sh- the store and mm-hmm. check out, you know, our talking watches and all sorts of things, they can come at any time. If they want to come for specific programs, you know, they can come for the whole day or just stay, go home whenever they need. It's yeah. completely free. And we are going to also be in Prince George in the office the next day. So oh. anybody wants to stop by and, you know, and check things out and talk a little bit more, you know, we'll be there. And Gladys is now, you know, on a permanent basis in, in Prince George. So yeah. hopefully we can support anyone at any time. So Gladys, how have things been in your new location here in the Q3 building? Have you had people coming in? Sure, things have been going well pretty smoothly. And the uh, participants here at the Prince George, they are so happy and excited that mm-hmm. uh, CNIB now has an office space in Prince George. So now... Do you get people coming in, though, and saying, I didn't know you guys were here? Right, because I know uh, there are many uh, uh, folks out there that uh, that said to me, uh, oh, we know CNIB uh, is no more in Prince George. You know, even last week I had the same conversation with a lady. (laughs) So I just have to tell her that, no, CNIB now has an office space in Prince George located at downtown Toll Avenue, 129900. And she was so excited. She was like, oh, that's a good thing that, I mean, if I have any challenges or if I want to speak with any of the employees that work with the CNIB, I can just go straight down to downtown to like meet one of the staff. So yeah, they're so excited that CNIB now has a new office space. And the other nice thing about the building here is it is fully accessible. Yeah, it's accessible and also um, all the organizations, Reg, they've been so handsome. So everybody Mm -hmm. is great. Yeah. So Anna, when you're setting up the mobile hub, do you work with other groups in each city that you set it up in for setting up maybe their booths and stuff like that? Yes. So we really like not just to come to every community we can, but meet all our participants and and community. But we also like to bring some support. So we are always in contact with a sister organization of ours, which is the Vision Rehabilitation, mm. um, Vision Loss Rehabilitation. So they usually come as well. We are we partner very often with BC Blind Sports, with the Canadian uh, Council of the Blind, even public libraries. So mm. even when we leave, we then have you know all our community has all the resources and a lot of resources to continue uh, to enjoy and take part of. This time, Gladys has 
brought each, we are going to bring in like eight partners this time. So there's wow. a lot of organizations that will work with our community that will be present in this specific mobile hub. So Gladys, the mobile hub and then eight other participants. Where are you all going to fit? <laughs> That's what we want, right? We want to reach out to, to the community. Yeah. We want us to work together to be able to like enhance the life of those that are blind or partially sighted, so that I mean, so that they can live their best possible life. So that we are there. We are the CNIB. We want to like crush any barriers standing on the way. Yeah. So now, have you, when you're organizing for the mobile hub, so you know basically what the hub itself looks like. Have you sort of got in your mind's eye at least an idea of where each of the other groups is going to be in the area here? Absolutely. And myself and uh, Anna, we've discussed that, you know, like we talk on the phone, we have this one Mm -hmm. where we'll be like, okay, uh, this organization is going to be seated here. uh, Why the CNIB will be there, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And I think we're going to be in the lobby, if I'm correct. So we'll all be in the lobby with all the different booths and all the social parts, and then the programs. We will be in one of the boardrooms, then we'll all go to oh. the programming area, so we have a little bit more quiet, it's a little yeah. more intimate, so people can also discuss, you know, their personal life. So it will be a, a more of an intimate environment during the programming time, but then we have the lobby where everybody's free to socialize, to ask questions, you know, to enjoy. So that's a good setup then, because again, as you were saying, if somebody just drops in and they just want some general information on CNIB and some of the other groups, they can just hang out in the lobby. Absolutely. If they're interested in something more specific, they can find out at the registration desk what's happening when and where. Yeah. And go, yeah. Wow. You got it. Yeah. Wow. We're looking forward to it. Yeah. So now, this sounds like it's going to be very successful. So are you already making plans for when the next mobile hub is going to be coming to Prince George? Oh, my goodness. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. We have a lot of plans and certain areas in Prince George, definitely one of the areas, will yeah. most likely be, become, be coming again next year around mm-hmm. the same time. Okay. But we try to maintain it flexible just to make sure that it fits everyone. Yeah. But probably around the fall, we're hoping it's, a, it's an annual event now. We're very much hoping. Yeah. Now, is there does the CNAB only have one mobile hub facility, if you will, in BC? So we have we have uh, four hubs. We have oh. we call our offices the hubs now. Okay. So we have one here in Vancouver. We have one in Victoria, one in Prince George, and one in Kelowna. Okay. And then we have these mobile hubs, which is basically our staff all gets on the road and then visits different different communities. And this time, and Prince George is imp- very important to us because we haven't had an office there, right? So we really want our community to know what's available and to know our office. But we will be, we usually have around four or five mobile, what we call the mobile hubs, which is, again, our staff on the road into other communities. And Prince George is definitely part of this mobile hub plan, right? Okay. Gladys and Anna with CIB, the mobile hub, September the 14th. If people want more information before the date, where can they get it? Gladys is the best point of contact, so they Mm -hmm. can either call uh, the general number for CNIB, the call center, and they will direct them uh, to Gladys. Right. Or Gladys can also share her number here if, if that's appropriate okay Gladys. so if anyone out there wants to get more information about the mobile hub they can reach me at 
0316. I take it again. 250-552-0316. Thank you. Okay. Now, is there a website people can go to to get information, Anna, on CNIB itself? Absolutely. So if you Google anything like CNIB, Mobile Hub, Prince George, you'll be directly taken to our website where you can register, you can read the program, you can have all the information you would like. Great. Gladys and Anna, thank you very much for talking to us about the CNIB Mobile Hub coming up September the 14th. Thank you so much. And I'll say a very big thank you for having us. Not a problem. Absolutely. Looking forward to being in Prince George. Take another quick break and be back with more after 9. Dementia Wellness Canada is your one-stop online resource for dementia information. Visit DementiaWellnessCanada.com to find the dream resources, moving, activity, meaningful inclusion with dementia. Some of these resources were developed in conjunction with UNBC's Centre for Technology Adoption for Aging in the North and feature places and people from Prince George. It's online dementia information at your fingertips through DementiaWellnessCanada.com. Trinity United Church and your Community Arts Council are presenting their inaugural Performing Arts Series. The series features an array of performing artists from across Canada and will highlight a wide variety of disciplines. The first performance will be from Vancouver High Energy Percussionist Group, Kutupera, Sunday, October 1st at Knox Performance Centre. Tickets and the full list of dates and performances are available at ticketsnorth.ca and at the CN Centre box office. Two Rivers Gallery has two great exhibitions on through October 8th. Dismantled Worlds from Jude Griebel is a darkly humorous exploration of the toxic relationship between life and human industry, and Non-Returnables brings together artists from across B.C. whose work explores our relationship with plastic. Dismantled Worlds and Non-Returnables are on display through October 8th at Two Rivers Gallery, open Tuesday through Saturday from 10 to 5 until 9 on Thursday and Sunday from noon to 5, where creativity flows in Canada Games Plaza. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today with widespread smoke and a 30% chance of showers, a high of 14. Cloudy this evening with a 30% chance of showers with widespread smoke and a low of 4. For Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud with widespread smoke, a 30% chance of showers and the risk of a thunderstorm late in the afternoon, a high of 17. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Northern BC, very large areas we all know, and Greyhound left a few years ago now, and uh, a lot of trouble for some people getting away. Joel Mackay joins me now. He's the CEO of Northern Development Initiative Trust, and Joel, you guys just finished doing a transportation study for the North. What, what were the basic results, I guess, to start with? Well, uh, good morning, and, and thank you for having yeah. me. Um, yes, we did. Uh, there were a number of recommendations in the study. It was the study was actually funded by uh, the province uh, through its desire to prioritize uh, solutions to improving rural transportation throughout British Columbia. We were one of three economic mm-hmm. trusts that carried out these studies. So similar studies were also completed in the Southern Interior as well as on Vancouver Island and, and the Gulf Islands and Sunshine Coast. Uh, for the northern portion, the recommendations were things that, to be real honest, for those who have been paying attention to this issue for a while, are, are not rocket science, right? Mm-hmm. Things like, hey, mm-hmm. can we have a common booking service between all of these different services that are available? How about a little bit more marketing awareness and communication around the services that are available? We, we've heard time and again that 
the public generally, you know, they were very aware of Greyhound because it operated for so many yes. decades and had such a, re- a recognizable brand. But the services that are out there these days are are smaller, they're new, you know, they haven't had a lot of time to, to gestate in the public mind and build that awareness. So can there be some communication? And then there were other recommendations in there around continuing to fund those services, uh, looking at other options to improve them, efficiencies, uh, even things like is there an opportunity for uh, shared procurement uh, to lower cost uh, for operating some of these services that you know, your larger um, public sector service providers like a BC Transit or a TransLink might have access to. So there was a wide-ranging number of things in there. And like I say, um, it's worthwhile. I think it, I, I do think it supports, hopefully, um, some policy movement in British Columbia around continuing to improve rural transportation. Um, but there's nothing in there that came as a great shock or a surprise yeah. for anybody who's tried to tried to transit northern <laughs> British Columbia over the last number of years. Now, for people who don't know, because I think a lot of people, they see the BC bus north buses out on the road, but that's not the only transportation system up north now, is it? No, and in fact, uh, it, one of the interesting things is uh, northern British Columbia is actually ahead of the rest of the province when it comes to rural transportation. Uh, well, we're ahead of the province all over the place, Joel. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point, right? Uh, yeah, we could talk about that for an hour. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, we have... Uh, uh, um, we're, we're losing you a little bit, I think, Joel, for some reason. Can, can you hear me now? Yep. Okay, so we have a number of long-haul transportation options in northern British Columbia. Uh, BC Bus North is one of them. It operates four routes. There's also a Highway 16 service that is a partnership between the Regional District of Bulkley and Chaco and BC Transit uh, that goes between Prince George and Terrace. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, of course, Northern Health has its well-established Northern Health Connections service, and Interior Health also has an Interior Health Connection service through the Caribou and country as well. So there are a number of those. There's also um, 17 inter-community shuttle services that are publicly funded throughout northern British Columbia. These are not long haul in terms of 300 kilometers plus. Um, They're more like between Tatchy and Fort St. James, Fort St. James and Vanderhoof, between um, Puskupi and Dawson, Dawson and Fort St. John, or around Fort Nelson, uh, those types of things. So there are more transportation options uh, that people realize available in northern Columbia. They are open to the general public. Each of them is a bit different. Um, but um, we do need to do a better job, I think, collectively in the public sector of getting that information out there. Okay. And, Joel, just so you know, for some reason you keep fading in and out on us. I apologize. I'm not sure why that is. Okay. Um, now, how many of these the regional services, if you will, how many of them connect to each other now? Uh, Well, with BC Bus North, when Northern Development took over funding responsibility for it, one of our primary first goals was to improve efficiency on the route, and that meant connections. So we did do some altering of the BC Bus North schedule for two things. One, so that it lines up better with some of those shuttle service providers, but also so that it lines up better with some of the private sector charters that are operating in communities. So previously, we had an issue where 
you would get, if you were on BC Bus North, you got dropped off in Dawson Creek. You might get dropped off at 11 o'clock at night, and you'd have to wait till 6 a.m. to catch the, the bus to Grand Prairie. Yeah. Uh, that's no longer the case. Those routes have been updated so you can make those connections uh, in certain areas. There's also now also been a route added um, that BC Bus North uh, has uh, through Pacific Western Transportation that goes from Prince George to Kamloops. So there's finally a, a, a connection down through the Caribou. Okay, so southern interior. So a lot of it then is a lot of the routes are the same ones that used to be covered by Greyhound. It's just now there's a variety of different services doing those routes. Yeah, yeah, and it's a ground up approach instead of a, a national top down approach, yeah. which is very different. And and it, it that is good in the sense that these services are operated by the communities and they're locally available, but it does make connections and efficiencies in the routes more difficult. And an example of that is, in some cases, it doesn't make sense for there to be a service in a small community that has a fixed route and a fixed schedule. It actually makes more sense for it to be on demand for that community or those communities it's serving. And we're okay with that because we want it we want it to serve that community first and foremost, primarily, right? But that means that it, it getting it now an on-demand service to connect with a fixed route, fixed schedule service is extraordinarily difficult. Right? I, can, I can imagine, yes. Okay, Joel, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about transportation in northern B.C. after 9. Advocate Life and Education Services Celebrate Life Gala is set for Thursday, October 5th at the Civic Center. Volunteer opportunities are still available to help make this year's event another great success. Assistance is needed in the setup, during the event, and for takedown. If you're interested in lending a hand, email your name, phone number, and your preferred area of volunteering to madra at advocate.ca. Celebrating Hope for Women's 10th anniversary, the Celebrate Life Gala, October 5th at the Civic Center. The Spruce Capital Senior Centre is busy with activities Tuesday through Thursday through September 11th. Take part in Canasta on Tuesdays and Thursdays, Fun Bridge on Tuesdays, and Bingo each Wednesday. Be sure to sign up for their monthly tournaments for crib and pool. Note, there is a $2 drop-in fee for the weekly events. The Spruce Capital Senior Centre, across from Rainbow Park, at the corner of Rainbow Drive and Liard Drive. Two legacy grants from the 2022 BC Summer Games are now available for local athletes and sport organizations. Organizations affiliated with a provincial sport body involved in the 2022 BC Summer or Winter Games can apply for up to $10,000 in grant money. Similarly, athletes and teams aged 18 or under can apply for grants of up to $2,022. Full details and applications are available at bcgames.org. The deadline for the 2022 BC Summer Games Legacy Grant applications is September 15th. If you love building with Lego, the Prince George Public Library is giving you a chance to indulge your passion. The library has free drop-in sessions for Lego builders ages 5 to 18 on Mondays at the Downtown Branch and Tuesdays at the Nechaco Branch. Each session runs from 3 to 5, with no sessions on holiday Mondays. The library supplies the Lego, you supply the creativity. That's free drop-in Lego time, Mondays at the Downtown Library and Tuesdays at the Nechaco Branch, from 3 to 5 each day. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, Joel, with this inter-community transportation study that NDIT just completed, up north, how long has this been in the works? Uh, well, the study actually was initiated in the spring, so it was short. 
Wow. Um, yeah, the province uh, the province moved quickly on this. Uh, they committed the funding to us or provided it at the end of March, and they said we need a study by uh, August, uh, and so we had to get moving. Wow. Um, we were we were able to do that um, in part because we've been involved for a few years uh, now. Mm-hmm. We've also been in pretty much every community in northern BC personally talking to the public, talking to transportation providers, talking to communities uh, about transit for the last uh, few years. So um, this is our third year as an organization involved in this and doing uh, on-the-ground transportation consultation. In so we were able to use a lot of that information to inform the study and then go out again and, and make sure that uh, what we thought to be the case was in fact still the case and, and yeah. pick up on anything that might have changed. So now... I think 17 regional roads plus BC Bus North, correct? You got it. Now, are there any communities where during this study or even ahead of time you knew weren't being served who you're maybe looking at trying to bring in? Yeah, we still need to improve dissertation uh, in Caribou. Okay. Uh, Lit- Lytton, Cash Creek, Ashcroft. Mm-hmm. Um, out to Lillooet, Goldbridge, that area, um, there it is underserved at this point in time, so we're, we are actively looking for options there. Um, and we've had a couple of other places that have expressed interest. There's some long-term places that I personally would like us to see when we get some of these. Um, some, of the, some of the services that are operating now, as, as long as ridership continues to build, it's strong, you know, they're operating well, they're efficient. Um, longer term, I think northern BC, we do have to look at a solution up Highway 37 to Dees Lake because mm. uh, there's no transportation options there now. No. Uh, same with the Alaska Highway north of Fort Nelson. Um, there's no transportation options there now. So um, we, there's really no ability for the traveling public, uh, visitors, or tourism sector workers uh, to access some of those areas in, in parts of the year. And I, and I do think that that's a gap that now, this is a question I probably should have asked earlier because I almost always do. Northern Development Initiative Trust. How do you guys define northern? Like, what's your, what's your, what area is covered by NDIT? Well, our service area was established by the province through our legislation, so it's not actually us that defines it. It was defined back in 2004 when our legislation was created. Right. Um, I, I say always, you know, jokingly that, um, you know, Victoria's version of BC is, is anywhere north of Hope, and that's, that's basically true. Our service area extends from Lytton to the Yukon border and from Bailmount to Haida Gwaii. So we serve an area that's about 75% of the geography of, of British Columbia, um, but it's very sparsely populated. So yeah. 330,000 people in there. And, you know, I joke that that's how Victoria sees things, mm. but I, I think there's some wisdom. That, um, actually, because a Lytton has more in common with a Fort Nelson or a Bailmount or a Dodging Eads mm-hmm. than um, it does Burnaby uh, or Abbotsford, right? Yeah. And so I think as you move up the canyon, you do get into communities that all have similar circumstances and benefit from having an economic trust like ours there yeah. to service them. And now I think you were saying this was one of three studies, if I remember correctly, the other two were Southern Interior and Vancouver Island. Have you had a chance to look at their results? I have not yet. Okay. Um, so I will be interested to see what different regions. They have their own 
nuances and complexities. And so um, I imagine there will be some things that are thematically, but I, I imagine there's also going to be some nuances that are related to yeah. geography. That's what I was going to say. Is you guys obviously, as the saying goes, your guys' biggest problem is too much geography. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a massive area in, in northern Columbia that we serve, and you're very familiar with that. And, mm-hmm. and that becomes a, a hurdle that, in all things, I think any any public sector entity is is trying to overcome as it serves. see is how do you maintain over such a vast area for a sparse population with extreme climate shifts yeah. um, every year. And uh, that is not easy, and it, co- it, it means critical thinking, uh, vigilance, and it costs money. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, was when you were saying Lytton has more in common with Fort Nelson, say, than Abbotsford, I was thinking not in terms of weather it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's... I don't want to split here. No. Like, no. But I think you get the general. Oh, yeah. You're in a small community. Like Ashcroft, no. not that far from Kamloops. Um, but, you know, they have a lot of the same challenges and circumstances that you will find in, in most. Yeah. So it actually does make sense to be, to be looped in yeah. area. Yeah. So now... The study is out. A, where can people find it? Like, I'm guessing it's online somewhere. How can people find the study if they yeah. want more information? You can find it on our website, okay. www.northerndevelopment.bc.ca. Oh, that's a nice, simple one. Yeah, it is somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now, so <clears throat> so what next? You've got the study in hand. There's recommendations. Are there any of the recommendations that you guys can actually do, start on? Up here, or are most of them recommendations that need government to work on? Uh, there's actually a couple we can, and we are, and the province has been extraordinarily supportive forward on those things. So first is the Connected Network Project, which mm-hmm. is a pilot project, and it's a common booking system for all these services. So that's being worked on now with a launch in early um, So that'll be the first time in Colombia, perhaps even Canada, where there's a common booking system for um, multiple wow. transportation services. Oh, we're pretty excited about that. We, I, I fully have it. It works and issues when it gets up because it's a first of its kind, but it does represent innovative thinking and trying something new to, to bring these services together. I also think that you know we have the ability to do two things in the near term here. One is uh, to invest some funding into uh, raising awareness around these services amongst the general public to boost ridership. Uh, and the second, I think, is to, is to look at, you know, putting funding into local indigenous governments that are interested in um, solving this at the community level and seeing how they can move ahead. I mean, this is not northern development uh, sole bailiwick, right? I yeah. think everybody can play a role in this wants to, and I think if we're able to enable local or indigenous governments to plan for their own transportation options, futures, and how to better serve their, their population, then we'd be pretty keen on that. Anything policy-related, long-term, that is most definitely the province. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we look forward to see uh, where they go with that in the future. Okay. John McKay, CEO of Northern Development Initiative Trust, thanks very much for coming on and talking to us about the uh, inter-community transportation study you guys just completed. It sounds like there's still a lot of work ahead. 
Yes, there absolutely is. Thanks for having me, and have a great day. You too. Okay. Okay. Um, quick reminder before we go again, school zone speed limits in effect as of today. The uh, RCMP apparently had a uh, media event out at um, Pineview this morning. Uh, it unfortunately, it was just before we went on the air, so there was no way we were going to be able to get out there. That will about wrap it up for today's show with me and Steve, Kylie and Darren in tomorrow after 9. After 9 is a weekday presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis-Holt, Darren Guess, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Theme music is by The Ebbs. Listen for a rebroadcast of today's program tonight at 10. And for past shows, check out the archives link at cfisfm.com. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca.